0: Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cob. Thank you and enjoy. So, I'm going to carry on a little bit by using completely different. Scriptures, but a little bit on what I started last week to do with Psalm 23 about the idea that in Psalm 23 it talks about the Lord being our shepherd and the. He leads us besides the waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. And therefore, there's this idea that there's this journey, this walk that goes on with him. That there's not, when you get yourself sorted, then I'll walk with you. Or when you've done these things, then good stuff will happen. But there's this continual process of us being restored. But at the same time, he leads us in paths of righteousness. And he leads us through, through the valley of the shadow of death. And he leads us into places where we encounter those who we would see as enemies or places where we would encounter those places where we think this is an empty place, it's a valley of the shadow of death. And yet in those places he is causing us to bring restoration to those places and there's this journey that goes on both in us but also in the places and the spaces that we go to. And I want to carry on this idea of this journey of then it's incredibly cliche and probably overused but this idea of us knowing him and making him known this idea of us being restored and us restoring the world that we live in the, this idea of him working in us and him working through us into the world so to do that I want you to just go to Genesis 28 and I love the fact that people are already ready for the next bit in your real Bibles and if you've got a real Bible in front of you Jeremy's already told me off, but I nicked five sweets from the bowl in the other day. we we'll have to bring my own sweets next time, aren't I? So um, Pete, would you like to choose a sweep? Um, thank thank you. you. Matt, would you like to choose a sweet? Where's the strawberry? It's all gone. I ate the strawberry one earlier, sorry. Alright. Jeremy, would you like to choose a sweet? Just to point out Jeremy has got a real Bible with him this morning. Just as a <laughs> thing. So Genesis 28. Those rest of you looking at phones or tablets, I'm not sure you're going to receive quite as much this morning as those who are the real Bibles do. (laughs) I'm obviously joking for the tape. Um, Okay, so Genesis 28 verse 10. The context here is, um, Jacob has um, stolen his brother's birthright. So we may not understand that, we're not going to go too much into that, but just to create a bit of context, That's obviously not a good thing. He's stolen his brother's birthright. He has deceived his dad into giving him his brother's birthright. He's now in a situation where his brother hates him, Esau, his brother hates him, and says that when the time of mourning has finished for his dad's passing away, his dad dying, that he is going to kill his brother. Okay, so it's a really functional kind of like together kind of family going on here, right? Dad has been tricked into giving the wrong person the birthright, the kind of blessing, the kind of passing on the family uh, legacy. Secondly, someone has tricked him into doing that. And thirdly, the one who's been tricked, or the one who's kind of been hard done by, is now saying, I'm going to kill my brother. Okay, So we're, we're dealing with a kind of very kind of functional, together family in this context. Jacob is not necessary just leaving because he wants to go and do what his dad's asked him to do about leaving there and go and find him a wife somewhere else etc he's also leaving because he's under threat of his life being killed okay so jacob is not in a good place for whatever reason jacob felt to steal the birthright whether it's the fact that he wanted to possess it himself whether the fact he wanted to get one on his brother whatever the reason clearly that's not in a sound place for him so Jacob is not here as some kind of superstar that's going, look, I'm a, this kind of honourable guy with lots of integrity. Um, I'm just fleeing because everyone wants to get me. Jacob's messed up himself. Jacob's on the run. He's not in a good place. He's not um, kind of necessarily done the right things. Um, maybe he's feeling guilt, maybe feeling fear, guilt of stealing a birthright, fear of being killed because of it. Um, whatever it may be, he's not in a good place, Okay. And we pick up in verse 10 of this. So now Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it under his head, or well, at his head, and lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a lattice was set on the earth, and the top reached to heaven. And there were angels of God ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants." And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I, will, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you and I will until i have done what i have spoken to you then jacob awoke from his sleep and said surely the lord is in this place and i did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of god this is the gate of heaven okay i want to just throw one big statement out in terms of that jacob is not in a good place and yet god is in that place and let that sink in for a moment. Jacob is not in a good place, and yet God is in that place. Whether we can look at his place geographically, in terms of like he's not in a good place locationally because he's running, or he's fleeing, or he's had to go because he's done some bad stuff, or whether we look at the place in terms of emotionally or personally, he is stolen, he's deceived, he's not in a good place either way, and yet. God is in that place. Now interestingly, um, one of the joys of being a teacher, I say with massive sarcasm, one of the joys of being a teacher is the fact that anywhere I go, in the city, whatever I think I'm doing, whether I think I did, did, this will be a good place to do that, I will guarantee seeing kids. Like 100% for my class. 100% that I teach. And it's always weird for them, more than for me, because they just do not understand me out of context so I went ice skating with the boys before Christmas the day we broke up from school thinking look no, no kids from school are going to go ice skating today they're broken up from school going to go home it's going to be a good day to go lo and behold the there's at least seven or eight kids from Calendon ice skating in that time bear in mind there's about 40 people in the whole space and probably about 10% of them are from Calendon it's like fantastic this is great then went again at the end of the holiday thinking again Good chance, they've all done it in the holidays now, not going to go again. And then lo and behold again, seven or eight kids from Camden ice skating in that place. Go shopping, see kids shopping. Go swimming, see kids swimming. It's wonderful, you don't get any privacy or anything like that. But the funniest thing is that they find it more difficult than me. Because in their mind, that's not the place I'm meant to be. In whatever way they think of that, especially younger kids, I'm not meant to be out and about, ice skating or swimming or whatever it may be. I'm meant to be in a classroom waiting for them to come in to teach them okay just stand still in front of the classroom overnight then they come in the classroom good morning everyone let's get ready to learn this morning uh, whatever it may be that i'm in the wrong place i'm in the place they don't expect me to be okay so as they get older they kind of understand that i have a life that i have a home to go to that i do normal things but especially younger kids they just don't get it it really throws them it's like okay hi sir it's almost like what are you doing here why are you here why are you out of place okay but isn't that the interesting thing that we do exactly the same thing. The kids expect my place to be in a school, okay? Do we expect God's place to be in a church on a Sunday morning? That's the place in the week where I would encounter God because that's the place in the week where he will be. And we know, we know, let's be honest, there's probably no one in this room doesn't know God's always with us, never leaves or forsakes us. But where am I expecting to meet him? Am I expecting to meet him in a certain place Or, am I expecting to meet him when I'm in a certain place? When I'm in a good place, emotionally. A good place spiritually, whatever that means. A good place, relationally. A good place in just the way I feel right now. I'm in a good place right now. And therefore, do I expect to meet God in that place? Or in the Sunday morning meeting? Or maybe in the life group on a Wednesday night? Or wherever it may be? Or when I'm listening to that kind of like inspirational music. on So I'm not knocking any of those things, obviously. But where's our expectation to meet him? Because Jacob was in a bad place. He was in a bad place in terms of location, but he was also in a bad place personally. And yet God was in that place. And that for me is a, a, a phenomenal thing. And I think sometimes we hear that and we know that, but we almost take it for granted. But let it sink in. that God is in that place god is in this place and jacob's line is just beautiful that god is in this place and i didn't even know it that's not necessarily that we could say i don't know it i know it academically i know it intellectually but do i know it is it something i know that god is here with me right now that when i walk into that difficult meeting at work when i have a awful day with the kids when i kind of just have a really hard time just emotionally he's in that place with me right there and then even Jacob's confession is a beautiful thing that he verbally says that God is in this place and I didn't even know it that he's 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 sleepless he's not resting he's not at ease he's not at peace and yet God is in that place and God reveals himself to Jacob in that place If you just turn, um, for those of you who are able to, in your real Bibles to Romans 5. Is that in the New Testament? I think so, yeah. Um, Thanks for helping everyone else that's got a fake Bible um, with them. They're probably not sure where it is. Romans 5, verse 20. Again, we we know this verse so well, but I just want to emphasize it again. Romans 5 verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, this is a better one to catch. But where, listen, but where, where sin abounded, grace super abounded, or abounded much more. In the place where we are weak. In the place where we've messed up. In the place where just things aren't good. In the place where Uh, whatever is not going well in that place grace abounds and now Paul goes on to say does that mean therefore we should sin that grace would abound even more not at all because that's just missing the point but he also talks about in Corinthians don't need to turn there right now but he talks about when I am weak then I am strong because his strength is made perfect in my weakness but there's something about God being in the place where we least expect him to be and the, the the challenge we have is that we know these scriptures we know that when I'm weak then I'm strong we know that we're sin abounds grace abounds we know that the God meets us at that point but are we letting that sink in are we taking time to think about that that when I'm facing a difficult situation when I'm facing a frustration when I'm In that situation am i using my mouth to go god thank you you're in this place whether that place is a physical location that i might feel vulnerable or isolated or whether that place is an emotional state or a psychological state or whatever kind of state am i saying god you're in this place when i feel low when i feel sad when my body feels rubbish because i'm full of cold or whatever it may be god you're in this place because the Bible talks about that, that our tongue is life and death to us. That the power of life and death is in our tongue. The, the Bible also talks about the fact that, in James, that our whole body, our whole life is directed by the small rudder that is our mouth. Now, when I say, God, you're in this place, I'm not making God be in that place. God is in that place. That's not anything to, I'm not magically going, right, God, you're in this place now, and then suddenly God's in that place now. God's always been in that place. He's always been there. But what I'm doing is I am, for want of a better expression, I'm directing my the rudder of my being, the who I am, to line up with that truth. I'm bringing into reality the fact that God's always been in that place, but I'm almost reminding myself. I'm drawing the attention to the fact that God, you're in this place with me right now. And something happens when I start to do that. Something changes in me. That, that God, I'm just getting used to the fact that you're in this place with me. In the good places, which we sometimes find it easy to believe, but also in the bad places. In the places where I feel amazing, but also in the places where I don't. Or actually, the bits in between where I just feel a bit blur. Just a bit boring. Just a bit rubbish. You're in those places. That are we, like kids at school, surprised that actually Mr Elton is ice skating? He doesn't just wait in the classroom. Am I surprised that God shows up in the place that I least expect him to? Am I starting to look for him in that place? And realise that as I do that, it starts to shape me and affect me and alter me. That That Jacob wasn't in a good place, but God was in that place with him. because I believe very strongly that as we looked at last week he is wanting to draw attention to the fact more and more that he is with us because it talks about that when the nothing is impossible with God and the idea of that is the fact that he's shifting our attention to the fact that he is with us that he is moving with us that in our places of work in our homes whatever it may be that he is with us and I really believe He wants to draw attention again and again and again to that reality, till it becomes something that God, You're with me, and it's not, it's not forced. It's not just in the expected places, but it's in the unexpected places, and it starts to shape and change the way we think and where we view and where we approach situations. The second thing, the second part of today, I suppose, is is developing that awareness of that God is with us in those places, in the good and the bad, in the, in the rough and the smooth. But the second part of it is really interesting. That If we just go to John 1. Again, that's in the New Testament. Um, and remember, Jacob talked about this thing. He saw a ladder. And there's a beautiful bit to this. The ladder was, very Spirit says that it was on earth reaching to heaven and then it says the angels of god were ascending and descending that so often don't we think that and i'm not i'm going to in a way contradict my wife it's never a good thing to do but in a way don't we always think of it like this okay heaven comes to earth always don't we that's the idea, because the language uses that. We, we read that in the Bible, I'm not knocking that, but we do. But think about what that thing that Jacob just said. The ladder started on the earth and went to heaven. The angels ascended and then descended. Doesn't that suggest something? That is actually God always been involved in the affairs of earth? Is heaven actually much nearer than we, than we think it is? And I'm not saying, it's absolutely not, the idea of pulling down heaven, the idea of heaven coming to earth, is language we use to try and express this idea of something that is not tangibly here now, we're bringing to earth. Absolutely, that's exactly the same thing. But there's some parts of it where it's like, actually, God's with me now, in this space, and therefore, actually, I'm going to bring heaven to earth, in this environment. I'm going to, I'm going to be the point where heaven breaks forth into earth. Actually, we're going to pull it. We're going to pull it down. We're going to bring heaven to earth through a life that's become aware of the fact God's with me right now. God's present with me right now. And then our wonderful Savior picks this I, this same concept up in John one. He's talking to a guy called Nathaniel. Um, I'm not going to go into sorry, Philip and the thing I'm not going to go into too much of this but I want to just pick up the last line that Jesus says to him it says in verse 51 John 1 51, it says and he said to him says so Jesus saying to him most assuredly I say to you hereafter you shall see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the son of man that's exactly the same language as Jacob talked about in Genesis so think about that two scenarios for a second. Jacob's gone, right? God is in this place. And he's probably talking about, at that point in time, a physical location. Because that's Jacob's awareness. That, that's his understanding. That God is in this physical location. Therefore now this physical location is the house of God. And he used another way. he says it's the gate of heaven. I.e. like a door or like a gate. is the point that heaven passes to earth through. It's that gate, it's that passageway, it's that opening. And he's talking about a physical location. He's saying, look, God is in this place, and I did not even know it. Jesus then picks up that same language, that same idea, and he says, look, actually, there'll be this, you'll see heaven open, and you'll see angels ascending and descending on me. On me as the Son of Man, on me. And therefore, what's he really saying? He's saying, I... I'm the house of God. I am the gate of heaven on earth. And we see that, don't we, through the whole of Jesus' life, that he goes and he brings heaven to earth in people's lives. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He empowers the excluded. He he supports those who may be seen as outsiders and brings them in. He he, he feeds the 5,000, does all these phenomenal things, that, and he empowers his disciples to go and do more than him. But he does all these different things, and they... bringing heaven to earth but he's not saying look it's in a physical location he's saying look actually it's it's me it's on me you'll see this stuff happening on me and actually if you want to see and glimpse into heaven you're going to do it through the gate of heaven i.e you're going to do it through what my life looks like and what it appears like on me which is a phenomenal thing because therefore now we've got this kind of like moving gate got, got this moving access point this moving door between heaven and earth and therefore heaven goes wherever jesus goes and people, therefore, encounter all over the place. They're not just going, right, we've got to go to that place. We've got to go to the temple, or we've got to go to church, or we've got to go to this location, or this location. And he's saying, look, actually, you're gonna, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to the places where you are, in those places that might be ex- or outside of where God's expected to be, where heaven's expected to be. Heaven's going to come to those places. Heaven's going to come to the woman at the well who who's been kind of doing all kinds of stuff heaven's going to come to the person who's been who's de- demon possessed and has been cast out and chained up outside his village heaven's going to come to the centurion soldier who's been beating people heaven's going to come to the woman caught in adultery and is going to get in the dirt with her that's where heaven's going to go and heaven's going to be in those places and you're going to see the gate of heaven open into that environment and we kind of readily accept that we go yeah well that's of course that's jesus jesus came to us to do that but then if we just go to john um, 14, I think it is. Yeah, John 14. And it says this John 14. And we're gonna start verse 15. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking to his disciples about him going um, and leaving them. Okay. And we pick up John 14, verse 15. It says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you um, and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, and I will come to you. So this idea that Jesus is saying, look, and again, we've probably read this before, but Jesus is saying, that I'm going to go, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and i send you another helper now that word another basically means one who is the same as so it's not like a different helper it's not like someone that's a little bit stranger, a little bit more obscure to me it's basically kind of like saying I'm going to send you a helper and that helper's going to be the same as me effectively he's going to be just like me and he says you're going to know him because he's been with you so what Jesus is saying look, you're actually know the Holy Spirit because he's been with you the whole time I've been here He said, look, you already interacted with him, you already experienced him, because actually when I've been here, he's been here. And therefore, he's saying, look, I'm going to send him, and he's going to be with you forever, and he's also going to be in you. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to pass my spirit, who the nature of who I am, in in the form of the Holy Spirit, to be with you, and to stay with you. And he's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you, you're not going to be awful, you're not going to be abandoned, but he's going to be passed on to you and then he goes on to talk a little bit further in here and he talks about he mentions a really interesting phrase and it says this um we we'll just go a little bit further through verse 19 and a little while longer and the world will see me no more and that, that line is incredibly powerful the world will see me no more but you will see me because i live and you will also live also or you'll live also and that day you will know that i am the i'm in my father and you are in me and i am in you he was has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will, I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22. Judas said to him, Lord, how, how, is it that it will, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So basically he's asking the question, how, how are we going to see you, but they're not going to see you? How is that possible? Because you're physically present with us right now. So how, how are you going to do that? And then no one else see you. And so then he explains to them. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will make our home, or we, so we will come to him, and make our home with him. He who does not love me, um, he who does not love me, does not keep my words, and the word which you have, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So Jesus said, look, they're going to, I'm going to manifest myself, I'm going to make myself known in the earth, and then they've got a really obvious question. Well, how are you going to do that? And other people will not be able to see you in the way that we will see you. Because Jesus is shifting their mentality. Because in the same way that Jacob has gone right, the, this point here, this physical location, is the point on the earth where God comes to earth. Therefore we'll build something around this. We'll make this significant. Jesus has taken that idea and gone... Okay, it's not a physical location anymore, guys. It's on me. Therefore, I am the point where heaven comes to earth. And the disciples are then gone, okay, if you're the point that heaven comes to earth and you're going to manifest yourself to earth and you're going to be the one that demonstrates that, and you're going to do that again, how are you going to do that and people not notice you? How are you going to do that and people not see you? How are you going to do that so only we see you? And he's shifting their mentality to go, actually, this thing's going to now start to work in you. It's not just going to be a physical point on earth where we have to go to church, we have to go to temple, or we have to go to wherever it may be. It's not even going to be just Jesus on the earth as the savior, as the son of man, as the son of God. It's not even just going to be that anymore. He's shifting their mentality and going, look guys, I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to manifest myself in you. I'm going to make my home in you, and therefore, you are going to be the point where heaven comes to earth. You are going to be the point where the gate of heaven is. You are going to be the ones that do this. And then we pick up with the same idea that he's talking about. Let me just go to Matthew 28, and verse 16. And he carries this same thought through. He's been prepping them and almost equipping them and encouraging them to have this mentality, to have this mindset. And it says here, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's emphasizing the same point again. He's saying, look, guys, I'm going. Physically, I'm not here anymore. I'm gone. It's not a physical location anymore. It's not even me anymore. I'm saying, look, I've been, I'm passing on this baton, this thing, to you. And I 'm not passing it on to you just so you can go and do nice things and good works they 're important, but I'm passing it on to you so that you become the ones that heaven comes to earth through the The language of God is in this place i didn't even know it shifts now not just to go well that, that's that 's God right there I can see God Jesus that that's absolutely God right now. The language now shifts to go God is in this place why because i'm in this place because god has made his home with me heaven comes to earth through my actions and my good deeds and the way i interact with people now that is the challenge that lays before us that when i walk into work or i go home or i see friends Am I allowing my thinking to go to such a place that go, heaven can break into this environment because God is in this place. And I want to express the heart and kindness and love of God into this place in the way that I speak to people, in the way that I interact with people, in the the same way that Jesus did. And that's our ultimate aim that we aim for, that we shift into that. I'm just going to go to one last verse, back in Matthew. I'm just helping. We're saying the same kind of books, just so that people that haven't got real Bibles don't get lost um, in what we're doing. I know you think the jokes will one day end. They really won't. They'll continue like this for so long. Um, verse Matthew five, verse thirteen. The God meets us in our lowest place wherever we need him he meets us there. days in that place and he's then shifting us to go look i'm meeting you there but in the same way that i'm meeting you there i want you then to go and demonstrate what how you've encountered me to the world and it says this in matthew 5 verse 13 you are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men you are the light of the world. A city on a, that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Think about what he's saying here. He's saying, "Look," he's again he's shifting people's mentalities from this idea of they are probably just about cope with him to a point. There's a mentality that, that, that God encounters people in the temple. That's where God is. That That's the point. Jesus has then come along and gone shaking that whole thing up and gone, look, actually, it's moving. Wherever Jesus goes, stuff seems to happen. And he's shifting them and going, look, actually, I want the way I've moved to be the way that you move. Realise that God is going to come and make his home in you. And actually, you're going to the point that, that heaven reaches earth through. Why do... the the world, I don't like that word, but why do the people that are non-churched have a view of God? That he's going to judge them, he's going to criticise them, he's going to have a go at them. Because the church had presented that. And therefore, that tells us that what I'm talking about this morning is absolutely true. God hasn't come in and corrected and gone. Actually, wait a minute guys, just, just pause a second. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not the way I would behave. He's gone, right, the way that they will view me is through you. How you engage with the world is what they will see of me. Now think about that for a minute. That's phenomenal. I wouldn't dare do that at work. I have some fantastic colleagues at work. Sometimes I would want to be in a meeting because I want to make sure what I want to say gets across in that. But God has gone, actually, I'm not going to do that. You go into the meeting, you go into the setting, and the way you behave, the way you interact, the way you do stuff, that's what they're going to know about me. That's amazing. But he said i'm not going to make you do that all on your own the holy spirit's going to be with you he's going to make his home with you so that you carry that connection to heaven to bring heaven to earth in those environments no settings and he's actually then said this don't hide that and that's what we kind of do for whatever reason whether insecurity or whatever it may be but god is restoring us to let us take that basket off to that thing that hides who he's made us to be off those insecurities off and or it may even be the, the lack of realisation off. The thing actually, well it's not to do with me, I'll just hide myself under a basket. I'll just hide myself away. Because actually it's nothing to do with me. It's not about me, whether this happens or it doesn't involve me. And In God, saying it actually involves all of us. Now if we say, look, take those things that hide who have made you to be off. Don't hide your lamp under a bushel. Don't hide your lamp under a basket. Take that stuff off and let them see your good deeds let them see the way you love people let them see the way you're kind to people let them see the way you pray for the sick let them see the way that you interact with the excluded let them see the way that you you invest in seeing stuff challenge needs to be challenged but you invest in seeing stuff empowered that needs to be empowered let them see that stuff and as they see those good deeds they're going to glorify your father where in heaven why because they'll see heaven through those good deeds because if we're the gate of heaven, a gate works two ways. The a gate works so that I can go that way through the gate, but it also works so that what that side can come this way through the gate. And then it works the way that I can see what's that side and then that side I can see what's this side. That there's this interaction that when I demonstrate heaven in the way that I am and the way that I conduct myself and the fact I raise my expectations I actually I can change the environment in this place. Because I can bring heaven into this environment. In the way that I speak to people, in the way that I pray for it, in the way that I do things. It can actually change the whole place. That's phenomenal. The whole thing can be changed just by my presence in that environment. Because we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not to be consumed by it or to be intimidated by it, but to change that valley into a place of life. That we get to our enemies and we don't get there and ready to fight them. We lay a table before them in their presence. it's a beautiful symbol of the fact that actually that becomes god in that place to them because i'm going actually heaven's here for you the abundance of heaven is here and in the same way that people see god through us why because we're the doorway we're the we're the gate that they see him through if I am, and it's, it's not a pressured thing, but if, if I am have an understanding of God that actually he's mean and he, is, he, is a, he punishes and he is there to kind of wait, wait for me to mess up, that is just how I'm going to behave. Because that's what i believe god is like but if i see one who is kind and benevolent and always sees the best in people and empowers and challenges people but empowers and challenges them at the same time that's how i'm going to conduct myself and suddenly now they see god in the way that he actually is and they glorify him because they see him and they see him in what i've done and so this is not meant to be something that we go oh my goodness me that's a massive responsibility because jesus just said the holy Spirit's going to come with you and he's going to be your helper. He's going to be your standby. He's going to be your empowerer, your, your encourage. He's going to be all those things to enable you to do that. And we can expand so much more into the rest of the scriptures to look at how we do that. But the point of today is that he is, he is shifting our mentality from God is in this physical location. Which I don't think any of us would believe. But we perhaps point is expect it in different places. To God is in, in Jesus. To so actually know God is, God is moving in me. And actually, if I go with the mentality that God is with me in this place, I'm going to bring that place to this place. And I know God is in that place. Don't get me wrong. I don't not want to jump. Into, I know God is there as well. But in terms of their expectation of God being there, wouldn't be there at all. In the same way, Jesus said that. That we'll finish this. Just jump right back. Just go to John 14 again. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. Listen to why it's important. God is everywhere. 100% agree with that. No doubt whatsoever. So why do we need to show our, or do our good deeds and let people see them? Why do we need to do that? In the same way that Jesus needed to do it for his disciples, John 14 verse 15 says this, If, anyone you, if you love me and keep my commandments, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, who the world cannot receive. In Acts it says that the Holy Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. So every single part of humanity, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on. Every single part. But Jesus said this, the world cannot receive him. Why can the world not receive him? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. So it's not the fact that they can't receive him because he's not there. It's not the fact they can't receive him because they don't want anything to do with him. It's the fact they can't receive him because they don't see him or know him. Therefore, Jesus said, listen to what he said, But you know him. Why do they know him? Because Jesus demonstrated him. Jesus exemplified him. And therefore, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Our purpose is to go, okay, God is everywhere, 100%. But actually, people don't see him, and they don't know him. Therefore, when I come in, I go, okay, heaven's just broken into this environment. Why? Because I've gone, people can now see him and know him, because I've opened that gateway, that doorway that goes, there you go. That's what he looks like. Do you want to know him? Because you see him now. Do you want to know him now? And therefore, because you see him and you know him now, you can receive him now. He's always been there. He's always been present. He didn't just come in because I walked in the room. But by me walking in the room, I've almost made this awareness, this gateway open that goes, now you can see him. and Now you can know him. And sometimes in church history, we have jumped on this idea that that God just moves with certain individuals and I believe that they they have tapped into something where they've gone God I want you to move through my life and I want you to be and they've done amazing things but what we've sometimes done is we've jumped back to the Jesus model and that sounds ridiculous to say doesn't it we've jumped back to the Jesus model and we've gone oh yeah because like Jesus did God moves on that person there but actually what we need to realise is that God is always there always present and that person just tapped into something they've gone okay yeah God wants to move through me but we've isolated to just one person or a few people and gone actually if I go near that person I'm going to encounter God and that may be true because like we've just said that, that we can see him and know him because we see it work on that person's life but God's best is to go I want all of you to be demonstrating and moving in this kind of stuff not just ones and twos and a few people here and there and stuff but it doesn't mean that we kind of limit it to one and two to go okay god i want to come into that as well i want to know that and i want to see you move in my life and through through my life and in my workplace and in my home and in my streets and in wherever it may be in my city in my nation whatever it is that our responsibility is to let our light shine before men that they see our good deeds and glorify him who is in heaven so god is in this place And he's in this place to meet us in our most vulnerable and our most weak and our most down. And he's in the places that surprise us. But at the same time, he is in this place to move through us into places where people don't know him, don't see him. And therefore don't have any clue about who he is or what he wants for them. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that by you, you would enable us to see who you've made us to be. You'd help us to see what you've put on the inside of us. And you'd help us to see the ability you've given us to demonstrate that to the world. The Holy Spirit, i ask you would help us to just take off that bushel, that basket, those things that hide away who you've made us to be. Those things that hide away what you've shaped and knitted us together to be. And that you'd give us the boldness and the confidence to let our light shine before men. That they would see our good deeds and therefore glorify you, Father, in heaven. That they would see heaven come to earth through our lives. That that we would be the ones who give that window view into the fact that, God, you've always been here. You've always loved us. You've always been for us. But let us be the ones that carry that and reveal that to those people we interact with this week.